Do you mind pausing for a second so I get more coffee? This is Ruminate, Episode 4. Ruminate is a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm John Voorhees, and with me, as always, is Rob Lewis. Hi, Rob. Hi, John. How are you? Very good. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Um, looking forward to a nice week off work next week. Um, how oh, about you? Nice. Yeah, no, I don't have a week off, but uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've got a, a 5K race that I'm doing in about an hour, so we started a little earlier than usual. It's Sunday morning here. For, at least for me, it's very early. It's 6 a.m., so um, you know, forgive me if I'm a little tired. I'm working through my first cup of coffee of the day, so I should get better as the show goes on. <laughs> so <clears throat> I want to thank everybody for all the Nando's follow-up. Um, this could become the Nando's podcast, I suppose, and we could every week we could talk about what you or I had at Nando's, but... Um, I did want to follow up get on a couple extra trips that I made to Nando's since we last did a show. Um, and at the suggestion of Graham Spencer, who writes for Mac Stories, and uh, Tom Wild, who lives in Poole, I believe, uh, I tried a couple of new things. I, had, uh, I saw Graham post a picture of a chicken sandwich from Nando's that looked fantastic, so I had one of those. Um, and I had the macho peas at the recommendation of Tom. Um, not a huge fan of peas myself to begin with, but if you're going to have peas, I think these are the peas to have. I mean, they have, you know, they've got some of the hot sauce in them. They're, they're pretty good. Have you ever had those at all, Rob? Uh, I haven't had the peas. No, um, I'm not a huge fan of peas, so I tend to, uh, avoid them. The interesting part about the, the chicken sandwich, I saw that photo that, uh, Graham posted and, uh, -huh. In the UK, the, when we buy the burgers, we get the the bun is kind of a, uh, I think it's a ciabatta uh, kind of roll that's been, been cut in half. But it seemed like in Australia, at least, they have kind of what I would call more like traditional um, burger buns. So that was an interesting um, difference between the two. Uh, yeah, ours the buns here are a lot closer to what it sounds like they are in the UK. Um, uh, very much like a ciabatta uh, bun and you know they've got the the little uh, the nan, nan uh, what do they call it the uh, paranese which is their mayonnaise with hot sauce in it um and i guess lettuce tomato i forget what all else was on there but it was good uh the peas like you i'm not a huge fan of peas sorry tom but uh they were pretty good and i have tried the um tried the portuguese rice the second time i went uh just this past week and that was good i like that too so i think uh, nando's is going to be a, in my regular rotation from now on well, I'm uh, I'm going probably tomorrow uh, lunchtime or, or possibly the next day. So uh, I'll report back what I have next time, and uh, and yeah, we'll uh, pivot into the Nando's Nando's vertical each week. Yes, I'll look for your Nando's photos at breakfast uh, this week. <laughs> okay. Um, so what else do we have, Rob? Um, so you, uh, we had it in the uh, little beginning bit of the podcast last week. You were talking about the. Uh, the Lego that you've got on the desk. So I've um, I posted up a photo of a significant portion of my collection, but not not quite all of it, um, which we will obviously um, put in the show notes. Uh, and I kind of posted that up so you could see uh, what my Lego room is filled with. I guess probably is the best way to describe it. No, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive collection. You've got a ton of Lego there. I'm amazed. I, we've got a lot of Lego in our house too. Um, not, I guess, too surprising given that I've got three boys too. But um, but that's that's a really really great collection you've got there. And actually, if you look uh, just to the the left in the middle there, you can see the Big Ben uh, set that you described. It's still in the box there that I haven't actually built yet. 
Oh, okay. That's not a hard one to build. It's a little one. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I know. I just haven't got around to it yet. So, uh. right, well, I'll put a I'll put a picture in the show notes of my little uh, my little Lego tribute here on my my mini podcasting desk, so uh, everybody can see that as well. And I assume that photo will be taken with your new phone that you've now got, John. Is that right? It will be taken with my new phone. I I was told that I wasn't going to get my <clears throat> 6s plus until late October, but it actually came on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. I guess it was Thursday. Um, and I've been enjoying it, but I've been setting it up ever since I've been setting it up fresh, uh, because I just wanted to kind of clean out the cruft and get rid of the apps I don't really need. So I added all the ones on my first page first, and then have been adding as I go, figuring out what it is I really need. And then yesterday for a while, I sat and scrolled through all my purchased apps for about an hour. <laughs> Because I have a lot of purchase apps, and just started downloading things. So we'll, um, we're we're going to jump into that uh, in a little bit, in a little bit more depth. Uh, switching to phones, uh, there's a little bit more uh, follow up on ad blockers. I think this will probably be the last time we we mention ad blockers, unless something significant happens. Because um, you know, there's, <laughs> we've been talking about it quite a lot. Um, there's a there's a couple of episodes of. Um, of different podcasts that uh, that are quite interesting to listen to on this topic, uh, ATP one thirty six. Um, they talk a lot about uh, Marco, uh, why he pulled the app, and, and those kind of things. And uh, Marco was also on the talk show this week with John Gruber. Um, I haven't listened to all of it yet. I've listened to about half an hour, uh, but he goes into a little bit more detail. It's um, <clears throat> like it usually is when Marco's on the talk show. It's a three hour podcast. Um, no way. Uh... They they tend to always go long when it's those two, so we'll stick those in the uh, in the show notes. I think there was a a link you had about a, an ad blocker test that somebody had done, uh, John. Yeah, Ben Ben Brooks on the Brooks Review did a test, and he tested uh, a whole bunch of of ad blockers with a bunch of different kinds of sites, both sites that were ad heavy and ones that weren't. Um, and he did it in a fairly scientific way, <clears throat> and it, it, it's just a good way to get a sense for how various ad blockers perform. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, I, I found it interesting. And I mean, I think the upshot of it is that um, one blocker is one of the, the fastest of the bunch. Um, so that's worth checking out. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, after a, a piece had kind of, you know, been pulled and stuff, I hadn't uh, decided on what one to use. Um, so the, this article, as you say, was was pretty useful. Um, one blocker was the, the one that uh, came out on top, but you know he he goes into a lot of detail about the different options and um, what kind of features you're going to get out of uh, different apps. So yeah, it's uh, definitely worth a look. Yeah, no, they're, they're, it's definitely a good uh, article to check out. Um, and ATP, I have not listened to um, the Daring Fireball uh, talk show yet, but uh, the ATP I thought was really interesting. It was just an interesting insight into um, the decision process that went behind Marco pulling peace and um, how he got himself to the point where he, how he got to a point where he didn't anticipate um, the kind of reaction that he got, which I thought was interesting. And I kind of understood where he was coming from but uh it's worth a listen because it's not something you can really summarize in in two or three sentences it's worth hearing it straight from straight from marco if you're interested in that sort of thing yeah definitely um and talking of apps uh being pulled from the app store uh i fix it um you may maybe saw this uh have had their their app pulled and, and i believe their developer license uh revoked because they did the teardown on the uh the apple tv dev kit um, which we spoke about last week, um, and and looking at it, you know, the, they broke the NDA, 
and I, you know, I think they they got what they deserved. I mean, maybe Apple are kind of uh, making an example of them, but you know, it, they did break the rules, and you know, this is the consequence of it. Right. No, I mean, it's 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 actually it's to me it seemed like a fair a very fair NDA. It, it just basically requires that you not review it or show pictures of it. Um, it. It doesn't say you can't talk about it. It doesn't say um, you can't talk to other people about it. It just says you can't review it or, or post pictures or video about it. Uh, it. That's my recollection. And But of course, what they did is they tore it down, they took pictures of it, and they, they wrote a, basically wrote a, a review summary of what was inside. And that, that was pretty, uh, that, that was just asking for it as far as I could tell. Yeah, and then they kind of say that in their blog post that they allegedly, you know, they weighed it up and decided that actually they don't care. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Apple aren't going to start pulling apps for, um, you know, a developer posting a picture of the box or, to be honest, probably not even, you know, even a screenshot or something. I, I very much doubt they're going to start doing that because a lot of that was, you know, shown publicly at, at the keynote. But, you know, in, in this case, I think, uh, you know, Apple made the right decision and, you know, in the future, if there's advanced hardware, I guess I fix it. You know, won't be getting it directly from Apple. They'll, you know, they'll find other ways because they they always do. Right. Well, you, you would have thought though that they would have used they would have used a different developer account than the one they had tied to their app. Although I suppose Apple could have just um, just could have yanked all of their developer accounts, but uh, it was just. Um, easy enough to pull that one because it had the uh, the app tied to it too well i think um i think we mentioned this last week but there were there might have been a clause in there that you could only apply for the tv uh if you had an app on the app store so i guess in that sense um you know they probably didn't have a lot of choice um even if they did think of that yeah no that's a good point uh you did have to have something on the store that was i guess how they did limit it a little bit so you didn't just get people looking to you know beta test it effectively uh, there was also a story that came out this week that uh, Apple have uh, sent out another wave of the uh, Apple TV developer kits, um, presumably in anticipation of um, you know just the launch and trying to get um, a few more uh, apps in there at launch. So you know this, I think this is a good thing. Um, you know, the more developers have it, the more that they might you know might be encouraged to build something, and, and hopefully the App Store on day one will be you know will be filled with uh, quite a few decent apps. Yeah, and I was talking to Owen about that yesterday, and he told me that he saw on Twitter that uh, the the Apple TVs that are going out now are retail, they look like they're retail packaging because they're not, you know, if you saw some of the pictures that people tweeted initially, it was very clear that the boxes were designed to go out to developers. I forget exactly what they said on them, but, you know, they were clearly developer kits. Um, And the new ones that are going out now don't have the USB-C cord in them, the USB-C to regular USB um, cord that you use to hook the TV, the uh, Apple TV up to your, your uh, Mac in order to load up the software. Uh, okay, so it sounds like um, that they're just kind of ramping up production and, and getting those out to people, um, and again, just so that we can get some more apps in the App Store. Okay, so Rob, one thing I want to talk to you about today was um, about how people use their phone their their iPhones as phones and I guess this really goes beyond iPhones really but I see it most often with iPhones I've been doing a little um, I don't know field testing a little research out on the streets of Chicago watching people talk on the phone and the thing that drives me nuts 
uh, are the people who talk into the phone like it's a slice of pizza. Have you ever seen someone do this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen a few people doing this. They hold it almost like they are a, um, a waiter in a restaurant serving drinks, like it's a tray that they've got up on the tips of their fingers, and they've got the bottom of the phone facing their, their mouth, and they're talking into the bottom of the phone with the, uh, the screen, you know, uh, facing the sky. And I've been trying to figure out what's up with that. I mean, why, why would someone do this? Um, and from what I, I have a couple of theories. One of them is not so nice, but the other two are, are a little more charitable. Um, the not so nice one is that people are just morons. And that, that, that unfortunately, I think that's true some of the time. But I think this may be as a result of people using their, um, using their phones without them uh, with headphones that don't have a microphone built into them. So they've got headphones in their ears. Um, and the only way to talk into the phone is to talk into the bottom. It doesn't explain why they hold it like a piece of pizza exactly, but they have to, they angle it towards their mouth in order to, uh, to actually speak because they don't have the microphone dangling by the side of their head. Uh, what do you think of that theory? That probably sounds about right. Um, the other I have heard a, a couple of different things. One is what you're saying, um, well, you know, with the headphones without a microphone built in. And the other one is you've probably seen the way a lot of people treat their phones. You know, they, they've got this phone with like a smash screen and that's fine for them and they'll live with it for a year or two years just with a smash screen. And I have definitely spoken to a couple of people that the uh the the speaker like the the proper speaker in the phone has has broken um or it's not loud enough anymore because they've broken their phone oh. so they constantly use loudspeaker which obviously uses the the proper speaker on the bottom as opposed to the you know the the small uh ear speaker uh at the top of the phone so that that it could possibly be another cause for it yeah, I'm 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 actually convinced that some people turn on speakerphone at some point and then forget that it's on speakerphone or don't know how to turn it off and think that's just how the phone works. That's also possible. Uh <laughs> that all the sound comes in and out the bottom of the phone. <laughs> and, and you know, and and I don't I'm surprised those people don't you don't see them turning the phone back and forth like they put you know putting the bottom of the phone up to the ear then down to talk then up then down. I had not seen that yet. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, but I did see a new one this week. Um, I saw someone talking into their phone like it was a voice recorder, um, kind of like an old-fashioned cassette voice recorder with holding it, talking across the top of the phone, which I think it's remarkable that, that they didn't have headphones on it. I think it's remarkable that that worked because, and that it shows that there are very good microphones in the iPhone because there's no microphone at the top of the phone. Yeah, it, it's very strange. I mean, as you say, I'm amazed that that, that would even um, work. I mean, I guess what we don't know is what the people on the other end of the phone call can actually hear, um, whether that it's really quiet or, or you know, it, it may not actually be that good of an experience for the person on the other end of the phone. But I guess if it works, then then, as you say, it's it's a testament to, uh, you know, how good, uh, you know, these tiny little microphones are that are, that are in phones now. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, those people on the other end are probably mostly hearing the street noise, but, uh, but yeah, no, so that's, that's just something I, you know, that's in my commute, my, uh, my long commute each day. I like to observe people using their phones. I am amazed too how many people, um, have broken iPhone screens and don't get them fixed. It drives me a little crazy. Um, but, uh, I guess some people are okay with it. Well, I, I've noticed this problem, um, 
in the I, I really don't know what it's like in the US in terms of where how many Apple stores there are you know close to different people but like where I am in Portsmouth the, the closest Apple store is like uh, 30 or so miles away um, yeah so I know that I, I've met a lot of people that just like well I don't know where to go and get it fixed um, there's there's a couple of kind of people that, that do do it in these phone shops but obviously one that invalidate invalidates your warranty Right. Um, and, and two, kind of, you, you're not really sure what kind of service you're going to get at these places. Um, and, and I wonder if that um, that causes this problem where people just won't get their phones fixed. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, although I'll, I'll tell you, I see a lot of them here in Chicago and we've got, I don't know, we've got two downtown. We've got them in the suburbs. They're, they're pretty much, they're at, there's at least five that I can think of within the Chicago area. So... Not a lot of excuses if you live here. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too nice then. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so, John, we mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the show uh, that you've got a new phone, um, and I think we mentioned last week that I'd bought the six. Um, how are you? How are you finding the uh, the six plus, uh, which is obviously a, a huge jump from your your five S that you had before? Yeah, that that's been the biggest adjustment, I guess. It's just it's it's much larger. Um, and I'm still getting used to it a little bit. I, let's say I've had it for only like three days now, so it's not not a long time. Um, it is harder to use one-handed. There's no doubt about it. I've reorganized my icons on the home screen so that I can uh, reach the ones that I'm you know most commonly use towards the bottom. Um, I think besides that, you know, it does feel a little, it is definitely slipperier than the 5S. Um, so I did go out yesterday and buy a case, which I haven't had a case. I think I had a case early days of my 4S, which was my first iPhone. And then uh, I didn't have a case for most of the life of the 4S until now. Uh, and I <clears throat> I picked up the orange silicon case and I've, I've been liking it so far. So that's uh, the orange one. That's color matched, I think, with the with the new Apple Watch bands as well. And I, th- I think that's what they're trying to do with these, the different colors. Yeah, I, I stood there and I went back and forth and back and forth on whether I should get the watch band too. And I decided not to for the time being. I wanted to see, I guess, in part, in part I wanted to see if the uh, the case stuck with me or not and whether I wanted to keep it. Um, I was a little worried. I mean, first of all, the phone's already big. So in and out of your pocket, it, it takes up a lot of space. And I didn't want to get, I was hoping, and I think it's okay, but I was a little concerned that if it, it was too grippy, that it would be, really hard just to get in and out of pockets and things. Um, but it's a kind of a, more of a softer, um, smoother silicon. So it's, it gives it more grip, but it's also not, it's not, um, you know, it's not really rubbery, um, and not hard at all to take in and out of your pocket. So I bought the, uh, the leather, uh, the leather case with mine, um, which is, uh, I, I, I tried the, the leather case that Apple bought out for the 5S and I really didn't like that. Um, I think I bought it and I either returned it or, or sold it straight after, but the the leather case for the six and, and presumably the six S as well. Um, it, it, it's a nice finish, but it's not too thick. Um, and of course, it it cu- it removes the uh, the sticking out camera, um, which is just a horrible horrible de- design decision. Uh, yeah, that that I have noticed that. I mean, when I had no case on this, it it did bother me for sure. Um, so for me, like the the size, um, I th- I th- maybe we mentioned this last week. I can't remember, but you know, the, just having them, um, you know, a little bit more screen real estate on the on the six from the five S is, is great. Um, obviously, it gives me another another row of icons, and you know, I can see more content when I'm browsing the web, that kind of thing. 
Um, I mean, for me, the the biggest thing is just the battery. Like it, it, it lasts me all day again, um, which my 5S used to do when I first bought it. But by the end, it, it was it was knackered. Um, so you know, it's <clears throat> it's just nice to have a new phone. Really, I mean, obviously, I haven't got the the 6s with all the 3d touch and and all of those improvements but you know for me I, i'm i'm pretty happy with it yeah no it's it's been great i mean i i don't the battery is obviously better i can i can tell that right off but i have not i don't feel like i've had a full day of normal usage with it yet because i've been it's since i started my phone fresh i've been setting it up a little bit every day since I got it. So, and fiddling around with all the new features. So I don't feel like I've kind of had my normal usage of it yet, but I can tell that already that it's going to, it's going to work a lot better for me in terms of battery life. Yeah. So you mentioned you, um, you started from a fresh install, uh, which I've generally done in the past. Um, this time I decided not to, I, I couldn't be bothered with all the passwords and all the settings and that kind of thing. But what I did do was I restored it from the backup and then went into the the settings and just reset my home screen layout. So I moved I moved everything off the first screen. And I just had like one app. I think it was like phone or messages or something. Um, and then each time I needed an app, um, I just went and found it, moved it to the home screen, um, and that was kind of how I worked out. Um, you know, the apps that I did need and the ones that I don't use over the course of a week, I just kind of deleted or, or you know hid away in a folder. Yeah, that's not unlike what I did. I mean, because I what I ended up doing was I did do it fresh, um, and I recreated my the, the the apps that I had on the first page, my five uh, S, because I knew those were ones that I wanted and use all the time. Uh, and then I I added a handful of other ones that are important, but that just don't sit on the first screen. Um, and I lived with that for a couple of days, and that was that's was more than sufficient. But there are a ton of apps that I use just periodically. And, and my 5S, I'd built up a whole bunch of games that I really never played and, and that sort of thing. So uh, after after I had all the passwords in and everything set up with the core apps, I went through and just added, um, like I said before, just went through the per- my purchase tab and, and added everything back. I did, um, or added back the ones that, that seemed the most important. Um, the let's see the since I now have an extra row of icons, um, I did add a few things. I did put wallet on the first page for now <clears throat> because I do use uh, Apple Pay and I have a, couple, a card in there for Starbucks and a couple other things. I'm not sure that one's going to stick on the first page long term. Um, what else did I put on here on the first page that wasn't on there before? Oh, a couple of games: Letterpress and Domino Drop. Love both those games. Um, and I th- and I added notes because I want to try out notes a little more. So got you know a couple, few new new uh, apps on the front screen. Um, I, what I, I when I did this, the one thing I didn't do is I didn't wipe my old 5s. I just yesterday when I was going through my purchase tab, one of the things I did is I went through the old 5s and looked to see what was on there and used that as kind of my guide for what I was searching for and and downloading. Um, but boy, did it seem small after uh, after just even a couple of days with the with the Success Plus. It was really, really tiny. Uh, yeah, I had the same experience. I uh, I was in London uh, last weekend uh, with my parents for for my mum's birthday, and uh, and sh- she was having some problems with her phone, which she seems to do quite often. Um, you know, and she said, "Oh, can you sort this out? Pass me her five S." And for a minute, I, I I couldn't believe how small it was. Like, I, I for a minute, I was like, "Is this a four? Is it a, a five? Like, I I got so used to the six in, in in only like kind of a week 
um that i was just so surprised at um at how small how small it felt at least i mean you know it'd been fine for the last two years for me and, and now it it kind of feels really small um I'm just going to say, oh, even just having this extra space between the icons is really nice. I mean, it just feels like there's room for everything to breathe a little more. Yeah, definitely. The the home screen, um, obviously, it hasn't changed for, you know, seven years now. Um, so, yeah, just a little bit more space so everything just feels a bit nicer uh, is great. Um, you, you mentioned notes, actually. Uh, have you have you played around uh, a lot with the, the new notes? I mean, I've been using it. Um, a little bit this week, uh, mostly for the the kind of inline to do list that you can do with the uh, the check boxes. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was using it for. Um, just putting together a quick list of things to do um, on various projects. I haven't used it a lot. Um, I've had a, you know done a few test notes with some drawings and whatnot. Uh, it is nice with the 3D touch now uh, that you can just press on it and you can do a sketch photo or new note straight from the home screen, which is pretty nice. Um, but up until now I hadn't used it a whole lot, even though I've had iOS nine on my, my old phone for a while, because I didn't have El Capitan on my, on my Mac. So now that I've got that on my Mac, I think I'm going to start using it a little bit more. I'm a little leery of moving things out of, I mean, one of my main, I think we talked about this maybe even on the first episode, I try to keep text all in one place because then I can find it. And so everything's in NV alt. Um, so I think notes, if anything, will be a, a place where more temporary stuff resides. Yeah, I think for me that's that's kind of the same. Um, I, I'm still not 100% convinced that I trust iCloud uh, with, with a lot of my stuff. Um, you know, but it, it seems pretty useful for, like you say, quick to-do list, that kind of thing. Um, how did you find uh, uh, moving your watch to the new phone? Oh, it was a, it was kind of a disaster. I mean, it, it is definitely an accessory in that it just wipes out your whole watch. But um, you know, when you're doing it fresh, so, uh, did you you did it from a backup? So didn't that bring over your your apps? So it, it did, but the the process was so I, I've got my watch, I've got my old phone, I've got my new phone. So I need to the first thing I needed to do was wipe the watch, like unpair it from my 5s. So that then sits there and it wipes the phone, uh, the, sorry, wipes the watch and, and, and gets rid of it, everything that's on there. Right. Then go to my six, pair it back with the watch as if it's a new watch, and then it asks if you want to restore it from the backup that lives somewhere, I guess, in iCloud. Um, yeah. Th- that was not a fun experience. Um, and, of course, on top of that, we had the, the watchOS 2 update, which was just horrendous like the download times are terrible and it was so slow to install um well you get it i think you get a good idea how slow the components of this watch really really are i mean i I, just i think just the read write times are incredibly long yeah i think that's probably the problem i mean presumably it's transferring that data over uh bluetooth i guess you know even wi-fi i mean that was a kind of 500 meg um update so it's going to take a long time no matter what yeah, and no, I, I, it doesn't sound like it's much better experience when you have a backup. I, I did it fresh, so I did the unpairing and repairing, and that just is like setting it up as though it's a brand new out of the box watch. Um, and then just yesterday, I went through the Apple Watch app and just ticked off all the all the apps that I wanted on my on my uh, watch, and I haven't really 
haven't really rearranged that yet. I mean, there's so, it's, when you do it fresh that when you know you set up a, a a phone fresh, there's so many steps and it takes so long. But um, I guess the benefits are, like I said, getting rid of the cruft, the things that you haven't used in a long time, and really f- getting a better sense for what is important to you. Um, but also, I, I kind of felt like I had some weird glitchy things that were going on with my old phone every now and then. I wasn't really sure what was happening, whether they were, there was, um, you know, a bad file somewhere, a bad app that was misbehaving and whatnot. So I figured doing it from the ground up would be, would be the way to go. And, um, I think if the way I did it is probably the best way for me in terms of the amount of time commitment, I didn't try to just download everything all at once and then, uh, get frustrated with, all the passwords and logins and everything. I just did one screen's worth of apps. The ones that I absolutely needed, um, went through them methodically and, and logged into everything. And then just when I finally had a little spare time, um, more than, you know, 15 minutes sat down and, and thought about what else I wanted on there. So that, that worked out pretty well, but it's, it is a labor intensive you know, way to do it. If you, if you're starting fresh. Yeah, there was uh, an interesting episode of, uh, upgrades, uh, I think it was episode episode fifty six. Um, we've got in our show notes, um, and Mike Mike Hurley uh, was trying to uh, he was trying to do the watch update uh, while he was recording. And, oh, I heard that. Yeah, and I think he went maybe three or four times. It was trying to download, and it would uh, it would give an error message that I actually saw a couple of times, which kind of would give you like some kind of random app that you had on your phone or your watch, and say, "Sorry, you've run out of space." Um, and I think Mike suggested on there that maybe it was it downloaded the update twice and, and it didn't have space for it or or whatever. But um, we'll, we'll pop that episode in the show notes um, if people want to have a listen to Mike getting very angry on air uh, yeah, trying to upgrade his watch. Yeah, I had I, I heard that too, and I, I just I wanted to shout into Overcast and give him tips because um, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure that's exactly what was going on. I had a similar experience. I had a couple of apps, watch apps, that kept giving me those kind of messages, and I and I had the same experience where I went into the watch app when I after I upgraded to 2.0 and it said you're up to date at 1.0.1 or 1.01, right? Uh, and, and it was very confusing. But I found actually that if I just let the thing sit and and take it slow, uh, because I think because it's so sl- the watch itself is so slow on the read writes that it wasn't registering. Uh, very, it looked like nothing was happening, but things were happening on the watch, and I let it just sit there while I was doing other things, and eventually it sorted itself out. Um, but I had a similar experience to Mike. All right, so. Just a couple other things I thought I would add on the um, the new phone. Uh, the camera is amazing. I haven't taken a lot of low light photos yet, which I'm planning to do. Um, but I've taken a couple downtown when it was nice, bright, sunny day, and the uh, the detail and the and the colors and everything. It's just, they're just fantastic photos. Um, big difference from the 5s. I mean, I think that's one thing that's nice if you do kind of skip generations in upgrading is you really do see a huge leap, not just a incremental one year over year, which is one place where I think sometimes reviewers get themselves stuck because they're used to having every single phone. And I think most people, at least in the US, um, historically with the two-year contracts, don't upgrade every year. So um, definitely a big thumbs up on the on the camera. The other thing, I did run into one really weird thing that I've never seen before, and I thought I'd mention it in case um, anyone else, one else is having the problem. I downloaded um, some 
I redownloaded some apps with in-app purchase in them and, you know, wanted to restore my, the purchases that I'd had, had made. Um, and I had pedometer plus plus and wanted to just throw a tip David's way. So I tried to do so and it didn't work. It kept telling me that I had an error and I had to go to iTunes.com slash support or something like that. Uh, and I ended up in a chat with one of the uh, support people at Apple about it. And it, it was just something stuck on their end. I have no idea what they did, but they said, hold on a second. And they, they, uh, they flipped a switch and it worked again, but it was really strange because I could download apps that I already had purchased. I could buy new apps, uh, but I couldn't do anything with in-app purchase. And this was just after moving to the new phone. So I don't know what got stuck there. Uh, at some point, you know, logging in and out of iCloud or something, uh, it got all jammed up, but they were able to fix it really quickly. I mean, the, the service was fantastic. I got it. It only took like 10, 15 minutes and they knew exactly what it was right away. Um, but I'd never experienced anything like that before. No, that's good. Um, I, I've always had good experience with uh, with Apple support, certainly online. Anyway, um, you know, and obviously in the stores, they're pr- they're pretty good if you can if you can get the time to talk to somebody. So, uh, so no, that's good. All right. So, Rob, the one last thing I thought we would talk about today would was Amazon Prime. Um, you want to kick that off and talk about Amazon Prime? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. The first thing to mention, um, really, is Amazon are not going to be selling, uh, I mean, Apple TV and Chromecast, but the, uh, the the general rule seems to be now, if you're selling a streaming box and it doesn't support Amazon Prime, Amazon aren't going to sell it, um, which is a little bit disappointing for what I was hoping for, which was some kind of Prime app for the new Apple TV um but given this news it sounds like maybe that won't be happening at all yeah i think it's hard to know i mean i think that that's a definitely a possibility and probably the most likely outcome although i could also see amazon deciding well we just want to keep people using prime because if they use prime on their apple tv They've probably also got, they might have other devices or other reasons to use Prime. And we want them to keep coming back to Amazon.com to find their to find their content. So maybe, but I, I tend to agree with you that it probably is unlikely. I, it strikes me as kind of a short-sighted, um, vindictive move on some part, but, you know. They can sell what they want to sell, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they're you know they're absolutely well within their rights to sell whatever they want. Um, but I think this, the real problem here is that the Amazon Prime, the the, the service, um, as opposed to the actual, you know, Amazon Prime Video, the service itself includes so many different things now. You know, you've got uh, delivery and, and video and music. Uh, I think Kindle Lending Library as well. That kind of like I, I've got an Amazon Prime membership and I've got Prime Video. I've got access to it, but if I can't access that on my, you know, my primary TV device, whatever that happens to be, then the the value really isn't there for me. Like it's kind of awkward for me to see if something's available on prime and just use it. So it kind of, that part of it um, j- just becomes uninteresting to me. So yeah, you mean the, you mean the video part, not the Amazon prime kind of generally, right? Uh, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. So you've got prime the service, but then you've got the video uh, part of it um you know and, right. and if i can't access that then or i can't access it easily it, it it doesn't really give me any value in that sense um let's say you know maybe they'll change their mind and and you know they will release something for the apple tv um in the future yeah and no, i agree 100 percent. i actually don't use 
uh, Prime Video very much. And for that very reason, I, I you know, I, I, most of my content, I'm pushing through my Apple TV. So I do have a Roku, one of the sticks that you can, you know, use. And I use it sometimes, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the second choice and I don't always think of it. And, um, at least historically, Amazon video, I have thought has not been very good. At least the prime part, the, the part that doesn't cost more, you know, the, the part that you use to, to rent movies or buy movies costs roughly the same as iTunes. So might as well just have all those things reside in one place. Um, and the free part has, is different. It has different content from time to time, but, uh, it's not that different and it's also not very good most of the time. So, for me, Amazon Prime has always really been more about the, um, you know, the sec the second day delivery um, to my home more than anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely um, why I pay for it. Uh, maybe we should uh, talk about the de the deliveries a little bit. Um, now, for you, John, you're in so you're in a, a major city um, in the U.S. Um, do you get one day delivery there? Cause I know some places in the U S it's actually two day delivery, um, on prime. How, how, how does that work uh, for you in Chicago? Yeah, it's, it's still there. It's only guaranteed two day delivery, but depending on what you buy, oftentimes it'll show up in one day. Um, and even, even in the suburbs, it'll, it'll be one day sometimes, but it, it really depends what it is. I think I, if I had to characterize it, it'd probably be, um, Things like uh, video games or small electronics, things that are high volume, uh, popular items that are probably in a warehouse somewhere close to Chicago will get here in a day sometimes. But it's it's really hit or miss. Um, it's it's only guaranteed one day delivery if you pay f uh, four dollars extra. And I'll do that once in a great while on something that's a little more pricey that I really need right away, um, but not very often. Um, so there's that we do have prime now in downtown parts of downtown Chicago, which is one or two hour delivery. And I've looked at what they offer and it, I don't know, there's, there's not, it's very, very limited subset of items that are offered on Amazon. So haven't felt the need to get it. I mean, it's a lot of things like DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, you can get some video games. Um, you could get there's there's a whole category of things that are basically designed for people who've forgotten their 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 uh, significant other's birthday. Basically, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, kind of somewhat cheesy, not very nice uh, gifts that you might buy someone uh, that that will just scream. I waited till the last minute, but you know that's there for the people who need it, I suppose. <laughs> so it's interesting that you say so. If I'm understanding it right, the the actual guarantee that Amazon are giving you as a Prime member is two day delivery, but it can turn up in a day uh, more often than not. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And and one thing that has changed over time for me is that they're starting to do more. They they've cut a deal with the U.S. Postal Service, which is really not good. Um, you know, Amazon. One thing I've always liked about Amazon is even if you can't get it in a day, they're very good about um, telling you exactly, you know, tracking your package and knowing exactly when it's going to show up at your house. Um, but they started a deal working with the U.S. Postal Service, which has the world's worst tracking system. It basically you don't you know that it's left somewhere and you know when it's gotten to your house, but you don't really know much in between. Um, the benefit, I suppose, is that they they will actually deliver on Sunday now sometimes for certain things. Um, but as I said, you know, it's sometimes hard to know where your package is. Um, so I don't really like that. I mean, it's a, it's a worse experience in, in that that sense. Um, we do have 
the the locker, the Amazon locker too. Uh, in the ci- yeah, we do. They're they're in this they're in the city. Uh, they don't have them. I I don't know. I don't. Maybe they have them in the suburbs too, but nowhere near where I live. Um, they have them downtown, but I've never really used those um, at this point because I can get it to, you know delivered to my office. So that's obviously a lot more. Uh, a lot better than than having it show up at some a Seven Eleven or something. Yeah, so the, the Amazon Locker for me is uh, is perfect. I mean, it's in um, a, a kind of small supermarket that's kind of two minutes from my house. Um, oh, okay. I, I mean, like you, I, I can get stuff delivered to work, um, but the the way the uh, the kind of business center that that I work in. There's kind of four buildings that are all the the same company, and then my company just kind of rents part of one of those buildings. Um, so the deliveries come in, but they go to the big company's kind of main building. So then it's got it kind of gets delivered there, and then some poor guy who works over there has then got to bring my parcels over and bring them up to my office and go, "I've got a parcel for you." I'm like, "Thanks very much." Um, the, the Amazon Locker, I mean, it's it's just so convenient um you know it's kind of on my way home i just pop in and grab stuff and um unfortunately in two weeks we lose that because the supermarket that it's in is shutting down um so hopefully they'll be adding a new one um soon yeah that's a little bit of a problem for me too because i'm in a high-rise building and you know the packages come in somewhere in the bottom of the building Uh, they get scanned and people look at them and i don't know what goes on but it takes forever for them to get up uh, to, to where I'm at on the uh, on the fortieth floor. So, oh well, yeah. So they've they've got quite far to uh, to go to get to you. Then they do. It's it's like a whole different you know whole different delivery system that takes as long as uh, from when you order the package till it shows up at the address. So, uh, but I usually I'm 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 used to that. So it's not that big a deal. So uh, it, Amazon in the UK have actually started. Um, they they run now. Their deliveries are under. A company called Amazon Logistics, um, and I, and it seems to be that they're kind of subcontracting out the, or they're contracting out the deliveries to various different delivery companies. Um, but they're they're definitely trying, I think, to control the whole kind of delivery experience. Because um, like you, we can now get uh, Saturday and Sunday deliveries on pretty much anything. I mean, we're quite lucky because obviously in the UK the the UK is fairly small. Um, right. Know, it's, it's kind of the size of, I don't even know what kind of, what state it's the size of, but it's, it's really small. You know, it's probably smaller than most of the states in the US. Um, you know, so I, I can get pretty much anything delivered next day. And a lot of the time I can order that up to kind of 8, 9 p.m. at night and, and still get it the next day. Um, so the delivery aspects of it, certainly in the UK, is uh, such good value. Um, and that, you know, they're just really quick to to get the deliveries out. No, that is nice. Um, yeah, that would be that would be nice if I could uh, count on that. But and I guess we, here usually it's UPS that brings our packages more more often than not. But uh, the U.S. Postal Service would do it too. Um, I think they they probably cut a deal with Amazon to help keep the Postal Service afloat because it's perennially out of money and and about to go out of business. I don't know how a government uh, postal service goes out of business, but it's a, I think it's a money pit as far as I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) To uh, to be honest, I've spoken to this a few times, uh, with some people and, uh, in the UK, we've got Royal Mail, which is despite the name is actually a privately run company. Um, you know, and they're, they're kind of our equivalent to the, you know, United States postal service. Um, and the, the kind of the longer it goes on, you know, the, the delivery, the deliveries are, 
kind of just bills like and junk mail um that they're not really doing a lot of business in terms of delivering stuff for the big people like amazon and and places like that because you know amazon news ups and the various other couriers that we've got in this country um so i think you know royal mail in this are kind of probably in the same position as uh you know the u.s postal service that they're kind of just slipping into um kind of just being irrelevant really yeah no that's true it sounds like it so rob what's the uh what's the biggest and smallest thing you ever bought on amazon biggest i think is a tv um there was there was a couple i I think i nearly ordered some um some uh, some furniture before um and ended up not i was looking at beds and things on amazon and they were kind of prime next day as well which was amazing um but yeah i've ordered a tv um and, and some other stuff like that and then small stuff i mean i will order you know a usb cable here lightning cable um because as a side note amazon basics lightning cables are fantastic um they're so much yep, they are they're <laughs> so much better quality than apples yeah they're a lot tougher mm, yeah absolutely um yeah so cables is kind of the thing that um i order quite a lot i mean i've ordered you know pens i think i ordered toothpaste once um because i could have it next day and i didn't have to go to the shop um what about you i'm assuming you know you're you're kind of like me you're probably ordering usb cables all the time that kind of thing yeah definitely done that i may have gone as small as a watch battery once i you know maybe and probably the cheapest thing there there was a time when you could order things that were like five dollars and they'd still show up the next day um you know they've gotten smart about that and those things are usually add-on items you know even if you have prime they won't they won't just send you a four or five dollar cable yeah um which I, I can kind of understand, <laughs> even though I don't, I, I would prefer that that wasn't the case. Um, the biggest thing was an outdoor furniture set, which was, you know, like coffee table, sectional outdoor type wicker couch and everything. Um, that came on, that came in a giant truck on a pallet and it was there in two days. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, a little, uh, here's a, a, tr- a trick or a tip for everyone um, with the, uh, the add on item. Um, I mean, I don't know how, I, I don't know how ethical you might say this is. Um, but if there's an add-on item you want, and obviously it's, you know, you need to order something else, if you just find something that's on pre-order and add that to the order, they will send out the add-on item and then you can just cancel the pre-order. Um, oh, I actually found uh, that I found that out by accident. Um, I was pre-ordering something and dumped an add-on item and, you know, they kind of sent it out anyway. Um, so so there's a little, uh, little tip for you, um, depending on how your morals are with doing something like that. <laughs> It wasn't that awful uh, Tony Hawk game, was it? Your pre-order? Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> there is. Oh, I don't even. I don't even think uh, we should get started on that. Um, I think... No, I know that'd be an all-day discussion. I did look at the uh, watch the GIF where he runs into a wall and goes like a million feet into the air, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, if you want, if people do want to listen to a discussion of that, uh, Mike Hurley and Federico Vitici on virtual this week. Uh, talked a little bit about um the new tony hawks uh release i think uh mike cancelled his pre-order as soon as he saw some of the videos um and oh I, yeah poor mike he was he was so sad I, and uh what <laughs> so was i um i mean that was kind of top of my uh wish list on amazon and uh and i just took it straight off um i might wait and see when it kind of drops in price of like maybe 10 pound or something and i'll pick it up and try it then um but yeah we'll uh we'll pop a link in the show notes to virtual um, if people want to uh, listen to a bit more of an in-depth discussion about that, yeah. And while we're talking, while we're talking about virtual, I mean, if you like video games at all, even casually, you should listen to this podcast. I, I, 
I'm not a big gamer, but I do like video games. And I appreciate that these guys talk about them and are not, not in a non-hardcore way. They just, they, they say, Hey, here's what we're playing. They talk about the games and they've got some links. I don't have to go and find this stuff myself. I think it's a great, great podcast. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, again, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, um, so people can find that episode and, you know, try out some of the older episodes as well. Cause it, it, as John said, it really is a good show. That's about it. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, no, I think that's, I think that's it for this week. All right. Um, well, I think if anybody, you know, if you want to find our show notes, go to ruminatepodcast.com. Um, you can find me at John Voorhees on Twitter or squibner.com, which is my website. Um, how about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm at, uh, at RM Lewis UK. Uh, I nearly forgot my Twitter name then. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my website is roblewis.me. And we will be back in two weeks. Great. See you later. See you later, John.